0: The only way to get over a fear is to lean into the discomfort. No one changes in a state of comfort. So if you're in your cocoon and it's really comfy under your blanket, that's great. But you're not going to move the needle that way. And a lot of times people aren't ready or they don't want to move the needle. Like They like staying under the covers. But I will say this, the longer you stay in those covers, the harder it is to crawl out.
1: Are you a burnt out overachiever buried in responsibilities? Do you miss laughing with your friends? Just laughing from the gut. Do you remember that? Do you feel like life's passing you by? If you've been wishing for some kind of a shift, you're in the right place. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, the show where we take you off the hamster wheel by ditching the to-do list or the to-don't list. This is where you get to learn how to make that lonely ache vanish, learn self-compassion techniques and to give yourself grace. I'm Lauren Abrams and I get to help you feel that magic again since going through my own dark night of the soul, so you can learn from my experience and the mentors and experts I meet along the way. And today we're talking to a confidence therapist, image expert, and dating coach for women over 40, Kimmy Seltzer. Have you ever wondered if there's a secret sauce to confidence? If there's something you can do to be more confident today? Well, there is, and you're in luck because we have the confidence guru here right now, letting you know what that is and what you could do to be your best, most confident self and attract what you want in your life. Meet the dating coach you want to know. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hope, Kimmy. Hi. Oh my God. I love your introduction. <laughs> yeah, so much fun. Okay. I loved watching your TED Talk and I know you've been all over the press and doing all the shows and everything else. I love your TED talk. Uh well we should probably talk about your red dress moment because it's really important. Yeah. yeah. I'm glad yeah. you asked
0: about that. Well, I'm and, and really that's why I love what I do. I'm so passionate about what I do because you know, sometimes people will read my bio and as much as my professional experience has been amazing, and i'm I feel blessed because i I feel like I can offer a lot to helping people. It was really my own hot mess that I came from <laughs> that, right that really yeah. kind of catapulted me into just helping others now, because you know, when I was going through it, I had wished that there was one of me like I wish there was more support out there, and I just I love mm. too, that this has become more in the media. Around dating in the second act, as I call it, because it is different, you know? And so, yeah, my red dress moment and my TEDx talk was around, you know, my mess. And I'm from Chicago and I had a very cushy traditional life. I practiced as a therapist for many years. I had, you know, the picket fence, the, the dog, the kids, the husband. I still have the kids, by the way, but you see where the story's going. And so, yeah, I, mean, I I really thought that everything was going on as planned. I thought this was kind of my good Midwest life until we all as a family one day picked up and we moved across the country and we plopped ourselves down here in LA, la la land, as I call it. Yeah. And I joke, we did, we did what all the other people here do. We get a divorce and joke. I mean, look, you live in LA too. I obviously like, I like to blame LA, but the truth is I would have been here anyway. And I think what happened is when I was stripped from kind of the cushion and insulated of like with friends and my busyness around me, I didn't really see the problems that were ahead of me. And it wasn't until I was removed from the cushion that, you know, I was faced with it, and almost immediately, that's when the record stopped, and my traditional life completely disappeared, and I didn't honestly know what I was going to do with my new life. I was in a very dark place, and my clothes reflected it, by the way. (laughs) Like, there Mm. I was. Like, I would not be wearing this bright red uh, blouse. My wardrobe consisted of all black, maybe a splash of beige. I still had the nursing bras on and the flip-flops, and my hair was... A mat, like I just, I was a hot mess for sure. And I was stuck in kind of my mindset, and my clothes reflected that, you know, just being stuck. And here's the kicker, and it's not something that I actually realized until I started doing this that. I believed up until that point that you really had to work from the inside out in order to create change, in order to work on yourself. And so I did the work. Like the first thing I did was go to therapy myself. I had counseling. I had all my friends rally around me. Yet still, I could not get out of my own way. And the funny thing is, is I almost used therapy as a crutch. I'll be honest with you. Like I I felt like it was almost this analysis analysis paralysis that I was falling mm-hmm. into. And then people would ask me, well, Kimmy, you should go out there and date. And, you know, why aren't you dating? And I would just say, oh, well, I'm doing the work. Yeah. I'm like, right. Like we all say, oh, I'm just doing the work. But what did that mean? Was I just like rocking in a chair, you know, like analyzing everything to death. And I wasn't taking action until one day. And this is what I talked about in, in my TEDx that I just woke up and I, I looked in the mirror and you know, there's those moments in your life where it just hits you. It hit me. I looked at myself and I'm like, oh my God, what happened to me? I look like a mess. And I said, you know, nothing's working. I, and nothing's fitting me. So I'm just going to go shopping. This is what I did. Like very
1: untraditional shopping retail therapy. therapy. <laughs> yeah.
0: Retail therapy. And so I go to the store and I think I'm up-leveling myself, but no, what am I doing? The same thing. I am putting all the black clothes in my <laughs> arms, and I'm like roaming the store. And this personal shopper, she comes up to me and she says, ma'am, I've been watching you and I really think you should try this on. And she holds up a red dress that looked like three sizes too small. I said, that's really sweet of you, but that's not my size and it's really red. She said, honey, that is your size that is your color, try it on. And it was like, she hit me over the head with that red dress. And I now refer that moment to my red dress moment. And it's the moment where kind of lightning strikes, right? Where you wake up and you, you have an epiphany, you realize something. And I realized in that moment, I'm like, gosh, she's right was just thinking about being different, but I wasn't doing anything to be different. And so I'm like, I need to do something different. I need to viscerally feel in my body something. So I slip on the dress and I twirl around like Cinderella and I look in the mirror once again. And yeah, there I was. I was like, oh my God, a princess. I, and I really like, it, was, it felt like a fairy tale kind of moment. And I bought that dress that day and I walked out into the world and I bought it as a costume because I still didn't really believe it. And I'm like, I'm just going to wear it everywhere. And I did. I wore it to the coffee shop. Mm-hmm. I wore it to the grocery store. Even walking my dog. And here is was the like aha moment. I noticed that men were checking me out, and I didn't like it. And here I was like thinking, oh mm-hmm. well, this is going to do it for me. And I'm like, oh my God, this whole time, I've been using these black clothes as a black cloak to keep me invisible from men. It was really like my protection mechanism. And so I really just had to get used to being seen. And it wasn't easy. Let me tell you. So and then you
1: had other work to do. Well, I had other work. You're like, like, oh, now I need to work on this. <laughs>
0: like, and I finally got over being seen. And I'm like, oh, well, now I have to talk to you, alien men. Like, (laughs) okay, so next problem, right? And there was always like challenges and problems along the way, which obviously like now I help people with. And I realized also that there was a symbiotic relationship between the outer and the inner when it comes to confidence, that it's not superficial. How we look, how we market ourselves is directly like affected into our body, into the way we express ourselves, into the way we feel about ourselves. And I love it because like, there's not too many things in life. If you think about it, that has that instant kind of gratification, right? Like the inner work takes time. But when I see people walking out of the dressing room and they're standing a little taller and they have a skip in their step and they get feedback that they're beautiful or they're handsome, like It all works together and so much research out there, you know, talks about that impact. So that's why I just love doing what I do. So now I flip the script and I work from the outside in and I do that with my magic formula called the charisma quotient, which obviously is the name of my, my podcast, but also, you know, kind of how I help people. So that is my story.
1: (laughs) Yeah, no. And it's incredible because here you are a trained therapist for years and it's like, took a red dress moment.
0: It it really is incredible. And you know, what studies have shown, there's even a term called enclosed cognition, meaning that there are shifts that go on in the brain when you're wearing a, a, like a certain outfit and your performance actually goes up and it impacts like your body signals. Right. And that determines how people treat us. So it's super important. Like in the business world, a lot of times people realize that and you get a new wardrobe, you know, if you're Going networking or you have a speaking gig or whatever it is, but a lot of times people don't think about it in ways of dating and relating, and it's super impactful so i I now call it the dating costume, like everybody needs to get a good dating costume because it really will make a difference in how you enter the room but also how you feel inside
1: yeah, definitely other th- but in other areas besides dating, I mean just that confidence to, for because people have been so isolated. And now to actually go out, even they be feeling self-conscious, how do you get beyond that and just go out? How, like, what suggestions are there?
0: Yeah, I'm glad you asked that. Well, as I mentioned, I have this charisma quotient formula, and the outside I call it your style intelligence. Right, that's what we were talking about before in the ways of you know what you're wearing, your first impressions, your body language. All of that impacts just how you even interact with the world, right? So that's the first thing. The second is your emotional intelligence, how we like connect through vulnerability, authenticity, how we express ourselves, how resilient we are and how like we feel about our self-worth. And then it's your social intelligence, how we manage interpersonal communication. And yes, that includes flirting. So as you know, flirting is a big part of my business. I actually have a flirt workshop coming up, as I mentioned. Um, And it's all intertwined in ways of of just interacting with people and you're right like the pandemic didn't help so even if you were an extrovert before i think all of our social muscles got a little atrophied and so i think people just feel rusty and dusty when it comes to just even saying hi to people so no matter what program that people are in or how I help them. That is one of the things I'm always teaching is what are some skills that you need to feel more confident? You know, is it your body language? You know, is it just like practicing, making eye contact, smiling and saying hi in the grocery store? Is it what you're wearing? Is it your energy and how like flirtatious and open you are? Is it the conversation skills? And that's another big part because you were asking like, how can people interact I do so much teaching around how to like create a meaningful conversation where people want to move on with you. Like I remember meeting you, you know, like when we were at that conference together, like it was memorable. Why? Because of, well, first of all, you look fantastic and I loved the way that you were dressed and your energy, but it was our conversation. It was the stories that we shared and the feelings that we had. And I always say to people, it's not about the facts that people are interested in you. It's about the feeling they have when they're with you. And so people get caught up in like spewing facts back and forth or on a date, it becomes a Q&A session. Well, it's so boring. Like, that's why people come back and say, oh, I didn't feel the chemistry, you know? But the reality is, is when you just have a nonsensical kind of whimsical, fun conversation that has lots of stories and emotions, that's a better conversation that is going to create that connection.
1: Yeah, definitely. So, okay, let's talk about body language first. Yeah. What's, tell us, enlighten us on body language.
0: Yeah. So what's fascinating is that 93% of communication is nonverbal. So again, what you say isn't even as important as how you show up. And in those first impressions, people are making judgments and assumptions based on two things. And this is research-based. This isn't Me just saying this. One is the clothes that you wear, and the other is the attitude or the body language that you have. And so a lot of times, you know, people don't realize how they're coming across, like, I do a lot of infield work where I'll go out with people and I help them interact or help them flirt. I now have these dating retreats where we're like constantly practicing. And what I see out there is that, you know, a lot of people are thinkers, they're high achievers, they're thinking about what to say, yet they're not in their body or they look stiff or they look tense. You know, what is written on our face, the movement in our body tells a thousand words. Right. So I do a lot of work and I do that. I have this whole like body signal system that I actually teach in my flirt workshops. And it really is paying attention to different body parts and practicing that so that you are seen differently. Cause again, like you could be the best person in the world, but if you're not marketing yourself, then love will pass you by or even just connections.
1: So are there things, people listening, because everybody probably can't, uh, and of course I'll have links to everything and, and look at Kimmy's social media because she posts a lot of this on there and it's very fun to watch. But are there things that somebody listening could practice doing? Because I mean, I've said to people, they're like, no, I'm happy. And I feel like saying, well, tell your face, but (laughs) you you know, like, or they'll say they're feeling a certain way and you're like, I can't tell that from looking at you at all. And you know, I would not say that unless it's somebody I could say. I'm pretty blunt. I am pretty blunt and I will go directly to somebody. But anyway, are there tools or tricks that you could give to some people listening?
0: Oh, my God. Yes. And I I love that you were blunt with people like that. And I think people appreciate that because it's hard to see yourself. I mean, that's the the first thing is when I talk about body language, a lot of times people don't have that awareness until I ask the question and they're like, well, come to think of it, I'm, I'm not sure how I come across. And one of the things or the first steps that I'll say about body language to practice is that It's more about your fears around it. So, you know, look at, the reason why you're not putting yourself out there or why you're not being open or smiley or connecting, you know, in that way. Is it because maybe you've been hurt, you know, and as a therapist, I always like to look at people's history because it's not one size fits all. You know, there might be a ton of fear if you've been abused or if you've had some really kind of toxic relationships, it might be hard to make eye contact and be all smiley when you're truly scared inside you know, um, it could be part of your upbringing. You know, maybe you also were, you know, you, you were in a home and a cultural background where body language wasn't like maybe reinforced or accepted. I coached somebody actually in Shanghai and it was really fascinating going over there because, you know, no one made eye contact. It wasn't even polite, you know? So there's different like cultural nuances to people's upbringing. So you, you have to appreciate your own background and what is preventing you from getting out there. So that's the first thing. The second thing is it takes practice, practice, practice. It's like a muscle. It's like going to a gym. So if you are not used to smiling, if you're not used to making eye contact, then just take that, just take that little transaction and practice over a period of time and do that In a way that is almost like gamified, you know, this is what I do with my clients as I do in all my programs. I'm like, forget about just approaching a woman or a man. Let's just start with the eye contact because so starting small is going to add up to the bigger win and it's more digestible and it'll build your confidence when you actually have success in that small transaction, right? And so if you just go to the grocery store and say, okay, I'm going to make eye contact with five guys every single day for f- five days and just see what happens and then journal about it, you know? And I think that's the name of the game because really what confidence is, and I love your show focusing on this. And especially if you're a high achiever and a perfectionist, it's hard, like, cause you'll be frozen doing some of these things. Cause you'll want to shoot for the outcome. Like I want to just flirt, <laughs> right? Like it's like, okay, well, how, what are the many steps that you need to take to get there. And so that's why people who are high achievers often stay frozen in this area, because if they feel like they're going to fail or not do something right, or they're not good enough, they'd rather not do it at all. But this way, you have these mini wins along the way. It'll add up to that success that you're going for. And so I think, when you do that, like it's really kind of pulling in and looking at, all right, well, I had some wins here. What happened? How did I feel? And then you up the ante. It's like, okay, now I'm going to make eye contact, smile and say, hi, (laughs) you know, like, and just keep going until you finally start feeling better. And it, it will snowball into other areas of your life. Like it, it's not just about the eye contact, you know, it's not just about twirling your hair. It's, it's the kind of little things that you can do. Wait, wait,
1: twirling contact. your hair. Does that work? It does. Wait, oh my God. I it like, totally wait, does. What? Oh
0: yeah. Are you kidding? And it, I I'm not kidding. And research <laughs> shows that actually for both men and women, this is, this is interesting. Women will play with their hair when they're interested in a guy subconsciously, but you can also do it on a conscious level. So if you're just like kind of doing this, it's really sexy
1: to a guy. And guys no will
0: actually like shuffle their hair or kind of play with their hair when they're interested in a, a woman. Isn't that fascinating?
1: Yes. Okay. What else? That's, that is great. So does it still work when you're married? I'm going to be like, Hey, Oh, totally. <laughs> yes, you can. I love that. God, I love Try
0: it on yeah. your hubby. Yeah, no, are You, yeah, yeah. you got to say it with a little head tilt, a little smile and say, yeah. hi, honey, or hi, babe, you know, whatever yeah. it is yeah, yeah. to really respond to that. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, that's great. It's fun. Um, I mean, there's so many like little, tricks and and things about body language that you would be astounded with that are so impactful and effective with the opposite. Okay. What
1: else? That was great. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I always talk about the three second rule. I didn't make this up actually. Like you can Read about a three it. Three second
1: I rule. I thought that was food falling on the floor with a kid. Yeah, there's different connotations for different areas, obviously. Yeah. So, okay, wait, what's a three second yeah, rule? Yeah. The
0: three second rule is basically where, um, let's say you're at a public place and you're talking to your friends and you see a really cute guy ahead of you. And what the three second rule is, you know, you check out the guy, you look back at your friend, and then you look back at him. And so it's one, two, three, like that. Oh.
1: And that second- Okay, so, okay, so anybody yeah. who's listening, not watching, um, to the recording, uh, Kim just looked forward, turned her head back, and then looked forward again. So Correct. that was one, one, two, three.
0: Yeah, and, and the reason why that's effective, it's so simple, is that that second look at him reassures him that it wasn't a fluke. Because you have to understand, like guys think everything's a float. Wait, did did she just look at me? You know, like they they also want that kind of like confidence and reassurance that you are, in fact, checking that guy out to give him the confidence to then come hither and approach you. And here's what they always say. Both men and women have... Responsibility and approachability. It's not just the man's job to come up to the woman. A woman has got to give the signals that she's open to it and have her cab light on and say, hello, I'm open for business. Come, I'm friendly, you know. And so this is why a lot of people are not meeting, like you were asking about that, mm-hmm. um, is that. I think everybody's just sitting there in fear. I think it's getting confusing out there, the, you know, especially with the man's role and the woman's role and all of this stuff. But this is why we're at a stalemate because the, the men are like, well, the women don't look approachable. And then the women are getting mad at the men. It's like, no guys are approaching me. So like no one's meeting anybody. Mm-hmm. And that's why this body language signals are so important and yet so you know simple really, but we make it more complex. We make it way bigger in our head than it actually is.
1: Okay, no, those are those are just very fun um, <laughs> and and easy. So you you've been interviewed a whole bunch with this Golden Bachelor thing. So what what are the most uh, the questions you keep getting asked again and again and again about that?
0: Yeah, I first of all, I just I love this show so much. It's finally there's like focus on people who are dating in the second act, as I call it, or if you're over 40, I just, you know, and A lot of what it's highlighting is how different everybody is later in life and what they're looking for. And so people have been asking and talking about, well, how is dating different in the second act? And what are some challenges that people have? And what are the benefits that people have? So I love this conversation because it can be a beautiful time in your life. It can be overwhelming and daunting. So it's just knowing how to put yourself out there. Because, I mean, let's face it, like when you're in your 20s, you almost have the infrastructure of your social life. People are kind of in the same place. You might be in an environment where people are social and going out, especially if you're in college. Well, in in theory, you and I had a (laughs) before,
1: right? Yeah. I don't know. I'm not sure about that anymore.
0: (laughs) Yeah. They're still on the apps. But um, in theory, at least they have a little bit different kind of opportunity than when people are later in life. Because the other thing is is that everyone's in different places in their life. So you have married mm-hmm. friends, you have coupled off friends. And when you get single, you look around, you realize, oh my gosh, I don't have any single friends. So it's hard to have that like single fun yeah. energy going out there. So yeah, like I've been talking a lot about developing dating plans, just like business plans, creating mission statements for your dating life, how to flirt, the importance of like conversation flow and really focusing on the skills as an outcome rather than i need another boyfriend or girlfriend that's yeah, the that's biggest good. mistake mm-hmm. biggest mistake that people make is they go online and they're vetting for their next boyfriend and girlfriend and 99% of the time what they really need to do is just focus on dating themselves to really understand who they are this time around and then that who they want to attract this time around
1: mm-hmm. yeah do the work <laughs> and I mean, it'll happen when it happens, or it's supposed to. I, it all unfolds the way it's supposed to. I, I'm such a believer in that. So for the overachieving Type Aers that are like, "I want what I want," and like it's going to happen, but they don't have take, they don't pause, they don't take that breath, so they don't even know what they want. What would you tell them?
0: Well. I would say, I mean, I work with a lot of you high achievers, if you're listening. So um, I understand, I, I understand that. And what serves you in maybe your business life or your parent life, it actually can really make you crash and burn with this dating thing. Because even if you look at the definition of flirting, I love, love talking about this. If you look in the dictionary, it says to behave as though you are attracted to someone without the serious intention of an outcome. Now, that last part is why so many people don't flirt, right? They'll say, well, I don't want to turn it on to some person I am not interested in. I you know, don't know how. I'm fearful of rejection, blah, blah, Like all this conversation that goes on in the head, and, and that also relates to dating. But the truth is that's not what dating is supposed to be. It's supposed to be about being in the moment, being present, connecting, having fun, Oh my god, that's another thing that I see with high achievers is that they don't think dating's fun. Well, I understand that because they're treating it like a business and they're vetting really hard and who they're gonna say yes to, and you know, and they go on these dates with like these questions, like a Q and A session and an interview process. And I mean, I'm sorry, but that's not fun. Like you can go on LinkedIn for that, right? Like so, really helping like high achievers kind of pull back and just having fun and being playful, which is really super hard. And with that, just, you know, teaching them the beauty of being curious. Like I use the metaphor all the time of kids. I love kids so much because they don't have an agenda. They're not attached to the outcome. I'm, I'm talking about like small kids. I, I know. Oh, yeah, yeah. Right. They just go on a playground or they go on and like, oh, Johnny, what are you doing? Can I play with you? Like they don't think about, oh, Johnny looks really busy. You know, so having more of that childlike type of attitude is what's so beautiful. Like when I do my flirt workshops or my dating retreats, that's one of the things I really help people with. Like I'll make the women wear cat ears and go out and being goofy out in the field. You know, I'll make the men be just as goofy with different things that I give them to do. And I think that gamification, you know, and just making it more fun also takes kind of the, the scariness out of it, because if you just focus on that moment, it becomes easier. And I will, I will end kind of this topic on this is that a lot of times when you're dating later in life, and if you've been a high achiever, you worry about a lot of the stuff that's happened in the past, right? So then maybe you're vetting these people, to prevent from getting hurt, right? So you're vetting really hard and you don't want that outcome to be the same. Or you're so focused on the future that that's why the present gets really hard. And so the more you can kind of detach from the past and the future and just be here in the now and the present, that's what makes dating fun and way more easier. And you'll attract a better partner for it.
1: So good. Okay, so what's the hardest challenge you've ever, that you've, ever gone through? And how did you get through it? Well, I mean, I think I told it in the beginning of this.
0: (laughs) It was definitely my red dress moment. I mean, I've had, I've had so many other challenges and here's what I will say about just dating. there's so many ups and downs and this is any age, it's not just, you know, our age, right. It's, it's hard. What I came to realize is the things in the beginning that seemed really hard and challenging ended up being my gift. I mean, my God, like if you saw me try to go out there and flirt the very thing that was just my nemesis, my pain point. I'm like, I haven't done this since like college, or I don't even know if I knew how to flirt even in college, to be honest. And it's the very thing that challenged me that now I teach, like, think of it like that, because really These are gifts in disguise. We don't see it at the time, but it's what you do with it, how you take it in and how you can like be gentle on yourself and even use it to lean into that vulnerability, to make those more like authentic connections. That's the name of the game. So instead, like, let's say you're on Bumble and you're getting a ton of people ghosting you. Well, if you take that hit every time as rejection, then that's what's going to be the challenge for you you know and you're going to hate dating and that so the beauty in it is like wow i'm so glad that guy ghosted me because he saved me a lot of time and heartache thank god like so it's not until you take it that way that then you know you've kind of crossed the bridge and and also dating will be a lot more fun so all my adversity all my challenges that i've had along the way they weren't fun at the time But now I built like that resilience around it where, I mean, look, I'm teaching it now and I'm just determined to help so many people with that too.
1: Yeah. Do you have a message of hope you want to give? Yeah, I think that it's what I said
0: before. If you can, dating is about really more focusing on the skills than the relationship. And if you can pull back And really focus on just these small little wins that you can do for yourself. That will add up to the bigger picture and you will get what you want. But it is about changing your mindset. It's about changing your approach and changing your perspective that's going to get to where you want to go. And if that is not happening, what do you need to do to put yourself in action to kind of override that? Because really all that is, is a habit and fear. And that's why I call myself a strategist more than anything else than a coach or a therapist, because I just believe we all need strategies to override
1: those like old habits. Now, how do you get through your own fears when you have them? I mean, you weren't always on TV. You weren't always doing all of this. There has to have been other fears. I'm just... Oh, I don't have have any fears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you like, (laughs) you got got through changing your wardrobe, going through dating, getting through getting out of bed when you couldn't. Um, Yeah.
0: You know, I will say the, the thing that helped me the most, first of all, is having a good support system. I think that's huge. You know, it wasn't until I got myself a good set of wing gals, we called ourselves the Sex and the City Gals, and we started going out there and practicing and flirting and giving each other that rah-rah and positivity is when things really started happening for me. It's so hard combating the loneliness and also the fears that are attached to that, because that will keep you in your house. That'll keep you in your cocoon. So whatever it is, like get a good support system. It's so important. That's why right now all my programs are focused on community, you know, whether it's my six month course or, you know, and they're all co-ed no longer am I doing like just men, just women, Mm -hmm. like we need we need each other. We need to debunk myths that we have about the opposite sex. And it's like, why are we separating the boys and the girls? Like, and it, cause for me, that's what happened is that I needed to experience dating a lot of different men to override my thinking about what men was, especially after my divorce. Um, the second thing was practice, 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 put myself into action. Like the only way to get over a fear is to lean into the discomfort. No one changes in a state of comfort. So if you're in your cocoon and it's really comfy under your blanket, that's great, but you're not going to move the needle that way. And a lot of times people aren't ready or they don't want to move the needle. Like they like staying under the covers, but I will say this, the longer you stay in those covers, the harder it is to crawl out. And so if it's been a long time, you know, at what point do you want to like stop wasting time and start really like taking action in this part? And it's not easy. That's why like the support system is really important and the practice piece. And then third thing is get a good coach, get just somebody like a mentor who can hold you accountable because it's so easy to slip back. I mean, I definitely had my own mentors and it doesn't have to be even like a traditional therapist. It could be a personal trainer. It can be a stylist. It can be a dating coach like me, whatever it is. Yeah, no, accountability
1: accountability partners are huge, huge, huge. huge. So
0: I say those are the top three that helped me and that I always try to help others with.
1: Yeah, no, those are great. Oh, this is so good. And like I said, we'll have links for everything for Kimmy and our new program coming up. And uh, this was great. Thank you so much for being a guest today on 52 Weeks of Hope.
0: Thank you so, so much. I loved this conversation. It was awesome.
1: Yeah. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode and take with you the messages of honesty, connection and transformation. Such fulfilling messages to take into your week ahead. Be sure to share the episode with your friends and to rate and review the podcast. So more people feel less alone in the overwhelm and to remember the pause. Answers emerge in the pause. And instead of adding to your to-do list, how about a to-don't list? Be sure to tune in next week when you get to hear author, PR guru, podcaster, and so much more, Lisa Beyer. Do you know about detachment? Did you know there are all kinds of areas you can detach from work? toxic relationships, even digital devices? Tune in next week and you get to learn how to create space and balance in your life and still be super successful, make money, and own your time and your life. Author of Digital Detox, it's a super helpful and interesting episode as well as a really empowering episode She helps you feel your best and most authentic self. Also, she helps you manifest. She's into all kinds of manifesting techniques and strategies. You're going to love Lisa. That's next week's episode. And until next week, I'm Lauren Abrams. Thanks for listening.